Words matter. They can change the course of your day. Just listen. You are brave. You are stronger than you think. You have value, worth, and dignity. Don't you feel better already? Welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. Join author and board-certified life coach Janelle Reardon as she opens a very important conversation about the power of our words. Hello and welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. I'm Janelle, your host for today's conversation. We're in a special series, The Hallways of Home, and we are talking all about healthy families and healthy family attributes, and this week has been about healthy conflict. Conflict is, it's just a part of life. It's going to happen. And we don't want to stick our heads in the sand like an ostrich and just avoid it. We don't want to tiptoe around it. We don't want to walk on eggshells inside of our families because we here in the Speak Healing Words community, we are committed to the threefold cord of emotional health and wellness, a healthy sense of self, healthy behavior patterns, and healthy communication skills. And I believe when we practice, when each member of the family, from the teeny tiniest to the elder of the family, eldest of the family, practices this threefold cord of emotional health and wellness, that flows into spiritual health, physical health, mental health, all realms of life. And then everyone within the family feels safe, secure, they're seen, heard, and home is a great, safe, lovely, imperfect place in which to grow. In my mind, the family is the foundation. (laughs) My first book, Rock Solid Families, 2007, shares 12 foundational stones, and we went over that last episode. So if you haven't heard that, catch up on that. So today, I just wanted to check in. Once again, I'm here to check in during this crazy COVID-19 pandemic that is calling us all home, forcing us home, forcing us to be sheltering in place. This week was even more Uh, aggressive conversations on a national global level to stay home. Only go out if you need to get some groceries. Don't go out to take a field trip at the grocery store. And that's limiting and that's difficult and that is crazy. And it's it's, um, something we're all having to work our way through to try to establish a new normal with new rhythms. So I suggest Rebecca Lyons, a lovely author and and woman of God who has just put out a a wonderful book on rhythms, Rhythms of Renewal. So I encourage you that with that book. There's also another fabulous book by Emily P. Freeman, The Next Right Step, that helps you really understand how to process the decision-making part of life and how to make wise decisions. So just wanted to shout those out today because we are certainly having having to find new rhythms and rhythms of renewal, and we're definitely having to make some very serious decisions 
So they are two wonderful writers and wise women who offer us some help in that area. So today, I really wanted to hone in. We were talking last time about healthy conflict within the family. We will have it. Um, Some people hate drama, they call it. And just please, no drama from the llama, from the mama. But, you know, drama is involved sometimes in facing some issues that perhaps we have had our head in the ground, in the sand, avoiding it and hiding behind our busyness and our hyperactivities and our screens. And so here we are at home facing one another, and this is an opportune time, a Kairos God time, where we can do several things, but I am hoping and praying and I am here to help guide you to make your family stronger every day of this pandemic. Stronger. And sometimes becoming stronger involves getting weak. The Apostle Paul writes so beautifully that his strengths were made perfect in his weakness. So there may be some things that we have just swept under the rug and now we have time. So I today, as we closed the last episode, we were talking about how to create an atmosphere in the home that's safe, secure, where people feel seen and heard. And then when we create this atmosphere of security, respect, mutual respect, unconditional love, acceptance, grace, and healthy, 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 when we create that atmosphere inside of our own lives and then inside of our marriages and inside of our partnerships and our relationships and our families, then we can handle conflict from a healthy perspective and not an unhealthy one. So just just here, I have what does unhealthy look like, okay? This is no judgment here. I'm just saying, what does unhealthy look like? Sometimes it's easier to name the unhealthy than healthy. But unhealthy would be that you're yelling and screaming all day long, that there's there's just a consistent rhythm of anger, rage, yelling, screaming, and that's the mode of communication that perhaps has been passed down for generations. Well, that's unhealthy. And yes, we're going to yell. We're going to yell maybe every now and then. Um but not on a, not on an that's not our primary mode of communication. So that's just one example. Um, another would be degrading one another, oppressing one another through um, belittling words. You're so stupid. You're stupid, stupid, stupid. You're an idiot. You can't do anything. Those are belittling words. Those are words that oppress and press down the heart, mind, soul, and body of another human being. And in Ephesians 4, which I encouraged you to look at last time, it says, Let no unwholesome words come out of your mouth, but only that which is helpful for the building up of the other person according to the faith. Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. Ephesians 4, 29. Well, that will take the rest of our life to just live that one uh, passage that Paul has left us in his letters. 
and in the word of God. Let no unwholesome word. Well, calling someone stupid is unwholesome. It doesn't build them up. It actually tears them down. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We only have two choices with our tongue, with our mouth. We only have two choices. I can use this God-given voice that I have as a gift from God. We are the mammals with a voice. <laughs> I can use it to build up my home or I can use it to destroy my home. I can use it to bring life to those around me or I can choose to use it to bring forth harm or as the scripture says, death. And so that's what Speak Healing Words is all about. We need to use our voice, the God-given voice that we each possess to benefit, to build up, to bring life to everyone within the walls of our homes. We need to speak healing words in the hallways of our home. Walk through every room and speak healing words to the people in the room. Now that doesn't mean that um, we will not have conflict. We will. But we do not have to degrade, oppress, belittle, harm relationships in the middle of conflict. So we we want to create this atmosphere in the home and in rock solid families in uh, the practice the sorry the um, foundation stone of devotion it's it's foundation stone 6 I talk about devotion. And what does that mean? And I talk in this foundation stone about how to train your family in the discipline of devotion, which just, let me read to you what devotion actually means. So devotion in its definition, it's, it's good bones, means a solemn attention to the supreme being in worship, a yielding of the heart and the affections to God. A yielding of the heart and the affections to God. And I write that it should be the first priority of the day. So from the youngest to the oldest in our homes, we can, through much training and repetition, that's, that's a rhythm. And this is a practice. It does not happen overnight. It doesn't even look pretty while it's happening. <laughs> I remember my three-year-old little twin son doing somersaults and jumping up and down on the bed while we were beginning this training of this new rhythm in our life of meeting together at in the evening as a family to pray. It was not anything magnificent by far. I continue. From the youngest to the oldest in our homes, we can, through much training and repetition, inaugurate 30 minutes of silence within the walls and the hallways of our home. Impossible, you say. This will never happen. You do not know my family. This is not going to happen. Well, you're right. I don't know your family, but I know my family. And if we can do this, if Rob and I could have done, when we did this, our children are now, you know, adult children. But if we can do this, oh, I've no doubt in my mind that you can do it because I believe in God and I believe nothing's impossible with God. 
So I give some tips. Lay the groundwork. Your children may ask you over and over and over again, why do we need a quiet time? I'm, and I wrote this in 2007 and it is now 2020, <laughs> 13 years. In, in this past decade, we now have social media. We have, everyone has a smartphone attached to their uh, body or in their hand, left or right hand, pretty much most of the day or watches that talk to us or tell us everything in the world that's going on. Or, you know, we have, um, what's her little name? Alexa. We have, oh my, I would have never imagined, and I'm, I'm just 60, it's not like I'm 100, that we would have this kind of digital distraction. I would just could have never imagined. And no way on earth could we have imagined a pandemic like this. Just, it, no. So they're going to say, why do I need to be quiet? Well, they need to know why you are introducing a new rhythm into your family life. And so I like to say, just begin by, and, and remember, I my framework for the, for the way that I raised my family, the way that I live my life is in the Judeo-Christian worldview. So I led my children to the Gospels and we went through and I just showed them simply talked about how Jesus would go away from his very, very busy job of healing and helping, you know, hundreds and thousands of people. And he would go away when he got overwhelmed or needed a break or needed to take some self-care. That's what we would call it today. He would go away on a boat in Matthew 14. He would go by a lake in Mark 3. He would go to a town called Bethesda and stay in the home of his dearest friends, Matthew uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and that's in uh, Luke 9. He would go to a garden. It's in John 18. He would go to a mountain. John 6. He would go to a desert in John 11. Jesus is our model. He was my model. He was the model I wanted my children to follow. So we just looked at him and watched how he went through his life. And if that worked for him to go away and get quiet and connect to his Father in heaven, well, then that's a practice that we needed to do. We started slowly. That's the second tip. You begin by setting apart maybe five minutes a day where you cut off all screen time, the house completely quiet, and maybe you just begin it together sitting and just maybe start with one minute. Set a timer. Now, that would probably be on a on a device. But if you have one of those old school timers, you know, kitchen timers, that would be great. But you can use a device for just the timer. I'd let you do that. So you can start with a minute and just have them play the quiet game. Experience what quiet sounds like. And that is not an oxymoron. Quiet actually has a sound. Just turn everything off, no talking, no noise. Be consistent with this. Start out today. Hey kids, after dinner, we're gonna sit and we're gonna talk about how we can maybe come together as a family and just talk for a few minutes at the end of the day. And if it works better in the morning, do it then or at lunch, wherever, whenever. 
We just want to come together as a family. And, you know, if you have been hiding behind the badge of busyness and your activities and you really don't know each other, and even if you really know each other, this is just an opportunity to grow in more knowledge of one another and get to know each other on such a deep level. And that, my friends, that is going to be your family's glue for the rest of your legacy. It's in that little circle of trust when you're sitting together and you're looking at each other and you're you're talking about the day. That's so grounding. That is such a beautiful grounding exercise. Led by mom, led by dad. Yeah, beautiful. So be consistent. Um, training requires repetition and consistency. And eventually, and I do emphasize eventually here, it will be something that your children look forward to. I promise, I really promise you this. Oh, they may not act like it. They may not look like they like it. But later on in life, I have that beautiful hindsight working in my favor. Later in life, they recognize that as have been having been very, very grounding. Something other, their peers even envied uh, because they thought, wow, you meet every night as a family. They would tell my oldest daughter and she's like, yeah, wow, that's, that's crazy. Well, yeah. So to her, it was not foreign, but to a lot of her peers, it was. Uh, one initial reason Rob and I decided to homeschool our three children was to bond as a family and was so that we could know our children. So that I, I could actually be a student of each of their personalities. And that is what our time together afforded me so that I could really have insights into each one of them and see their uniqueness and see their talents and gifts and be able to wisely pray in how to guide them in um, the most efficient, effective way. One of the most wonderful little tools that we used was a book published in 1992. I know that some of you probably weren't even born in 1992, but it's still available. It's called The Treasure Tree. Helping Kids Get Along and Enjoy Each Other. And it's written by two more great couples. We talked about some great couples yesterday. John and Cindy Trent and Gary and Norma Smalley. And it's illustrated by the fabulous Judy Love, The Treasure Tree. I encourage you to use this book, to order it today. And use this book to start maybe your little family circle time. Now, if your kids are teenagers, it's still cute. It's still very relevant. I know it's they're going to go, oh, this is really silly and stupid, but um, there may be other resources out there and I can list them on our, our Facebook page. But just sitting, being consistent, start slow, eliminate the static. Like I said, static is defined as noise produced in a radio or television receiver by atmospheric or other electrical disturbances. Well, Lord have mercy. We have enough electrical disturbances, digital disturbances, now it's crazy. So spend a few moments evaluating the present static in your family. Is the television constantly on? If so, why? At least mute the commercials. What about emotional static? So lean in here. 
this type of static is described, emotional static is described as criticism, opposition, anybody have any toddlers, <laughs> or unwanted interference by somebody else. I talk more about that in a later Foundation Stone, Chapter 10, which is called Training the Tongue, and we, we may get into that in a future episode. But today I just want to talk about static and emotional static and how we can minimize emotional static by minding your own business. If the phone rings, my daughter Brooke immediately has to know it's on the phone. That was back in the day. Who are you talking to? She come running, running, running. So you just consider and look what kind of ordinary actions drain your energy and look at the emotional static. Is, is there a, a lot of criticism, uh, opposition, disagreement just for the sake of disagreeing or being rebellious? unwanted interference by somebody else, not respecting someone who is trying to say something. I just want you in, in this episode just to kind of evaluate as we continue talking about the internal, emotional, relational atmosphere inside of our home. Um, and I like to call that serenity. So I'm going to just flip a couple pages because I want to just zone in on that today. So serenity of soul is one of those rare and beautiful treasures. A person who removes tension from the air, who operates in serenity of soul, is like a fresh breeze blowing off the ocean. It only takes one person to change the emotional and spiritual atmosphere of a home. Wouldn't you agree? So when I wrote this, the content of this book in 2007, this is before I had my midlife crisis, which led to my midlife crusade. And when I, this, cause this book was actually the catalyst for me going back and getting my master's in counseling. And then one thing led to another and I opened a practice and um, really, became a therapist. So this book, after I published it, I think I've shared this before, on the book tour, women would line up and they would just, one woman after one woman would just be sobbing, sobbing over the condition of her family. And I thought, oh my gosh, I am, I've got to get more tools in my toolbox to help all of these. And really some were so serious and, and they're all hiding behind a smile in their churches because that time I spoke primarily in churches. And I thought, this is, this is just not good. <laughs> oh, we cannot keep hiding behind these facades when there are desperate problems going on inside of these homes. In Thailand, they say, you know, don't let the fire out of the house. Well, a lot of homes were on fire inside, but they looked well quaffed on the outside. And I thought, I've got to go back to school and get more training and help. So... During this time, I also found out about something called negative ions that come from the ocean or mountain waterfalls. Well, negative ions are odorless, tasteless, and invisible molecules that we inhale in abundance in certain environments. Think mountains, waterfalls, and beaches. Once they reach our bloodstream, boy, lean in here. Once they reach our bloodstream, negative ions are believed to produce biochemical reactions 
that increase levels of the mood chemical serotonin, helping to alleviate depression, relieve stress, and boost our daytime energy. Is anyone relating? (laughs) For a whopping one in three of us who are sensitive to their effects, negative ions can make us feel like we are walking on air. Hence my passion for Rodanthe, the Outer Banks of North Carolina. When I am there, I am one of those one in three that the negative ions from the ocean make me feel like I'm walking on air. It reduces my stress level and increases my serotonin. It's incredible. So the air that circulates in the mountains and at the beach is said to contain thousands of thousands of negative ions, much more than the average home or office building, which contain dozens or hundreds and may register a flat zero. So here's today's heartbeat. So as you develop this new rhythm inside of your family home, a rhythm of quiet, stillness, solitude, and you introduce this practice to your children, and you introduce this practice within the family system, and you say, we're going to start practicing and eliminating a lot of static and noise inside of the home at least once a day for 30 minutes max. And I derive that from Revelations 8.1, where it says all of heaven was silent for 30 minutes. And I thought if it's good enough for heaven, it's good enough for my family. And so what you're doing is giving your children a taste of a different way of living their life. That life does not always have to be chaotic. It does not have to be filled with noise. So they actually get a taste, their palate, their little palate in life gets a taste of what serenity and stillness and solitude actually tastes like. Because once they get a taste of it, and they feel in the impact of it on their body and inside their system, their emotions, their nervous system, and everything calms down. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a real life-changing event. So in Rock Solid Families, I, and if you have the book, it's page 92, I ask these questions. And I make them personal so that you can make them personal. Is my home registering a flat zero in the serenity category? So remember that office buildings, schools, a lot of the average homes register a flat zero when it comes to negative ions, meaning it's like you can't, it's just a downer. (laughs) So you ask yourself, is my home registering a flat zero in the serenity category? Is the spiritual air in my home full of negative ion energy? Encouragement. Laughter, joy, love, faith, health. Now I add health because I've learned so much. Emotional health. I would add this question now if I rewrote this book, which I'm hoping to do very soon. What is the emotional health pulse of your family? Do you actually talk about emotions and, and what everyone's feeling? 
and how that's making them feel. So just a case in point, I uh, had a client a few weeks ago, has a, a toddler, about three, um, four, four years old, and just angry, angry, has lots of angry outbursts, lots of tantrums, and boy, I get that, I raised, I raised some, and I said, well, what are you doing with that? And I said, you know, now I know that that can either be one of two things, something that's been passed on through family lineage from one generation to the next, some form of anger, rage. So you're going to need to want to pay attention to that and help this child overcome it so that it doesn't go into the next generation. But primarily, it's just that this child probably is a very strong child. If you know the Enneagram, it could possibly be an eight, a one, a three, where this child is a leader and they have big emotions and they don't know what to do with those emotions. And so when those emotions get way too big for their tiny little body, they start screaming and rolling around on the floor and they don't have any idea what this feeling is because they don't understand it. I said, just grab him, grab him for a minute, put him in a, you know, a little hug close to you and just say, you have some big emotions going on inside there. Just say these words and trust that his little or her little body in mind are one day going to be able to process this. But right now you're just introducing them to an, an emotional language. You are feeling anger. This is what anger looks like. And there are emotion emotional health charts you can order on Amazon. I'll put those on the links too. And you can take them to that and you can, it's a big, hot, fiery red face, right? That's how you're feeling inside your body and you don't know what to do with it. You know, talk to me, use your words, you know. Okay. So how is the emotional health of your family? Is there contention, strife, anger, impatience, frustration, disrespect? That's not okay. Not okay. So by bringing your family together once a day, okay, maybe start once a week. I know, I'm a little zealot. Let's talk about this. Let's, let's talk, introduce them to, we want to understand each other and know each other and use this time during this pandemic to make our family stronger every day. Why did you get angry today? Why did you get angry at me? Mom and dad may have to say, you may have to apologize that you flipped your lid, uh, that you didn't manage your emotions, that you didn't regulate your emotions, that you didn't image God well. Begin just talking. You may be terrible at it, <laughs> but just do it anyway. Are you moving through your life with more serenity than irritation? Not just on a good day, but every day. And are you doing this during a heightened time right now? Is your soul running on empty with nothing left to give? Is it overloaded with care and concern for others? I get that. And on a typical day, do you read the Bible? Do you have any kind of devotion time with your children? It might be walking outside and looking at a beautiful tree and just saying, oh, who made this tree? What kind of tree is this? Look at its roots. Those roots, I was, this is me today on my walk. I'm like, look at those roots. 
That's incredible. They're so beautiful and big. They're really too big for this yard that they're in. They probably should be in a forest somewhere because they're they're coming out of the grass. You know, just have talks. Just talk about God and life. And in Rock Solid Families, I give you a pattern uh, in which to create devotions. Um, so those are just some ideas on how you can begin creating an atmosphere inside of your home for serenity to flourish, for peace and calm to be activated. So I'm just going to close today with a few thoughts. As you're calling this family meeting together and you're going to start talking and learning how everyone's doing and who everyone is and what the strengths of so-and-so are and what your weakness might be and how can we help each other make it through this pandemic with a lot more strength? How can we get stronger every day? Little Johnny, how can we get stronger every day? What can we do? Not just physically, right? But mentally and emotionally, relationally. This is how we need to love each other. And so... I'm going to give you just a little tiny uh, primer on listening. I did mention uh, the book uh, the other day, Why Don't We Listen Better by James C. Peterson. And today, Listening, The Forgotten Skill by Madeline Burley Allen. It is a self-teaching guide that I have found to be so helpful in my life. So here's how the communication process breaks down. You may not have realized listening is such an important yet often overlooked or seriously short-chained skill in many business activities. Even though, listen to this, we spend 70%, yeah, 70% of our waking hours in verbal communication. A manager who is, was curious about how much time he spent listening asked a secretary to keep track of the time he spent on the telephone listening. He was shocked to discover his company was paying him 35 to 40% of his salary just for listening on the phone. So listening as a method of taking in information is used far more than reading and writing combined. Yeah, it is the channel used most often for learning. Ironically, proven fact here, it is the least understood function of all. When we think about listening, we tend to assume it is basically the same as hearing. This is a dangerous misconception because it leads us to believe effective listening is instinctive, when in fact it's not. I've heard we only use a 10% capacity of our brain at times and then it's not much more for listening. You know, we're like, yeah, 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 whatever. But effective listening, and in the Bible, it, it it's used this way many times. Um, the scriptures will say, hearken, hearken, hearken. Hear, 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 hear me. So hearing and listening are really two different things. And so what I'm asking you today do today is to really hear the other person. So as a result, we make a little effort to learn or develop our listening skills and unknowingly neglect a vital communication function thereby denying ourselves educational development and increased self-awareness. Consequently, we create unnecessary problems for ourselves, misunderstandings, hurt feelings, 
confused instructions, loss of important information, embarrassment, and frustration. We lose the opportunity to improve every relationship in our life. Listening involves a more sophisticated mental process than hearing. Okay, there you go. There's the bottom line. Listening involves a more sophisticated mental process than hearing. So this premise is telling us then listening is really leaning in. Listening is the more important. I think I actually just made an error by saying, but in the Bible, it will say here, here. But we want to listen, lean in. It demands energy and discipline. Listening is a learned skill. So hence, another critical reason to gather those children around you, no matter what age they are. And even if you have an infant at this point, mom and dad, spend 30 minutes at night cutting all the distractions off and just let that little baby hear some quiet. Yeah, training the ear to hear and listen. The first step is to realize that effective listening is an active, not passive process. This is a difficult concept, but it's true. A skilled listener does not just sit there and allow listening to happen. What is listening then? One way to answer this question is to ask two other questions. And we'll end here. Oh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll end here. What does it feel like to really listen to someone else? Okay, here you go. This is a great family dinner conversation. What does it feel like to really listen to someone else? What does it feel like when someone really listens to you? How would you answer those two questions from listening, the forgotten skill? What does it feel like when someone really listens to you? I don't know about you, but it feels darn good really feels so good to be seen and to be heard. And to have someone's words soothe you. Your words are very important, so watch what you speak and say. Your words, my friend, have the power to change a life. So use them wisely today. Remember, you have value, worth, and dignity. And tell your children that tonight when you're sitting and having your very first family conversation about how the day went. See you next time. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and conversation, please join the Speak Healing Words community at JanelleReardon.com.